to share today. And this is my beautiful daughter, Jordan. Everyone say hi, Jordan. Um, a while back, I think I shared this last time I spoke, Jordan had an impromptu conversation with me about our services. She said, Dad. Now, I do a pretty good Jordan impression. She said, Dad. Some, there's like not stuff in the service for young people. And so I said, okay, what can we do? What can we do to liven up the services? And she had two suggestions. The first suggestion was what? Donuts. Donuts. <laughs> you can hold that. And the second suggestion was? Games. you to hold it real close. Games. Is it on? We're having trouble with it today. The second was games. And so we're going to start this morning by playing a game. And Jordan's going to lead us in that game. So, but first, she's going to need three volunteers uh, to play this game. So, I don't care if you raise your hand, she'll still pick you. <laughs> if you're avoiding eye contact with me right now. So, if you raise your hands, if you're brave enough, she's going to come out and pick some people. Go find some people. Come on, people. Oh, look, in the front row. Cheers. Okay. Oh, Lazarus got picked. <laughs> uh, let's see. And who? The one in the back. The one in the back. John. Give John a round of applause. He's shy. So we've got to give him a round of applause. <clears throat> All right. So we've got Cherish, Lazarus, and John who are going to play this game. Do you want to explain how to play it? Yeah? You can talk really loud. Boxes of tissues, and you have to put one hand behind your back, and then you take the other one, and you have to pull out as many tissues as you can. So stand. It's the first one to empty their box of tissues. So you're gonna stand back here. Yep. Back here. Yep. Behind John. You're gonna come right here. Stand behind. One hand behind the chair, and you put the first person. Yep. Just one. And you can only pull one at a time. So this is a speed game, okay? Pull as many tissues as you can. The first one to, we have a prize. We even have a prize for the winner, right? It's not a cough drop. I need all of those cough drops. <coughs> okay, we got some fun music we're going to play. Now, each section, you're going to cheer on. So this section is going to cheer on Cherish. Even if you don't like her, you've got to cheer her on. Uh, everyone likes Cherish. I know this section is for John. Okay, and this section is for Lazarus. <laughs> All right, so here we go. I'm give you a three-second countdown. Or you give a three-second countdown. Three, two, one. Go, 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 as fast as you can. Oh, Lazarus, look at this, look at this. Cheer him on, cheer him on. Cheer him on. Oh, no, it's all over the place. Oh, you pick it up and put it back on the chair. <laughs> oh, winner. Oh, no. Are there more? Oh. You, you don't have to hold them. There we go. Oh, there she goes. Automatic. <laughs> Lazarus, you don't have to hold them. Oh. That's a cherish. <laughs> Round of applause for Cherish. 
She won a Starbucks gift card with a dollar eighty-two <laughs> left. It would have been really cool if the tissues had some kind of application to what we're, but it doesn't. We just want to have fun. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <coughs> Thanks, Jordan. So. <laughs> you're going to cramp up in the middle of the service. You're gonna, ah! Your hand is going to go. <laughs> so over the last couple of weeks, several weeks actually, we've been talking about uh, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. And first off, it's not a book. It was, it was never a book. It was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church uh, in Corinth. We'll see if my clicker works here. Whoops. Um... Hmm. Nope. That's Corinth. I don't know what happened to my slide. <laughs> Jacob said he fixed my PowerPoint, so I wasn't aware that that was what he was doing to fix it. X. It's right there in the middle of the screen. So <clears throat> Corinth is actually, uh, today it's, it's in Greece. It's, it's just west of, Ath- of Athens. And you can actually read about how this church was founded in the book of Acts. So if you go to Acts chapter 18, you can read the story. It's pretty crazy. This guy named Paul goes out, and he's gonna, he starts telling people about Jesus. He has this radical encounter with God, and he goes and he plants a church there. But when he left, he thought, I'm going to go to the Jews that live in Corinth, and I'm going to plant a church. And the Jews wanted nothing to do with it. They wanted nothing to do with Paul. And so he went to the Gentiles. He said, okay, if you guys don't want it, I'll go find someone who wants it. And he started this church. Um, And once Paul, he was there about two years, he left the church. And when he left, things got a little wild, got a little crazy. If you've ever been part of a group and the leader leaves, teenagers, you're in class, the teacher leaves, what happens? Yeah, a little pandemonium. So crazy Jerry Springer stuff starts happening (laughs) in this church. We got sons sleeping with uh, their stepmoms. It's just really weird stuff. And so Paul writes this letter um, to correct some things that are happening in the church and to encourage them. And I actually love, this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. If you have not gone through it, you really should. It has some of the most beautiful writing that you'll find in the whole Bible. And I don't know if you know, but it's actually National Poetry Month this month. Now, I only know that because I heard it on the radio. Uh, but I appreciate it because my wife, my beautiful wife, loves when days are named after something. You know what I'm talking about? Like National Spaghetti Day, right? National Pie Day, right? There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of these, so I look some up. And I'm sorry to tell you, that you missed National Pig Day. It was on March 1st. So hopefully you had some bacon that day on National Pig Day. But don't be sad because there's one to look forward to. On May 3rd, it's National No Pants Day. So you really want to spice up your workplace, your school, National No Pants Day. (laughs) Yeah. I hope that just means shorts. That's what I hope it means, because the weather's nice. But listen to some of these verses from Corinthians, and tell me this isn't poetry. 
If I speak in human or angelic tongues but do, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are all in 1 Corinthians. I got more. For now, we see only a reflection as as if in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I become fully known. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. This one may be the best. Women, submit to your husbands. I thought I'd throw that one in there. Shakespeare's got nothing on Paul. Notice I didn't read the rest of the verse there, right? That's called a selective, selective interpretation. Well, this week we're going to focus on chapter 15, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your devices, if some of you are like, what, is that a paper in that Bible? You can open on your phone, um, chapter 15. But before we get too deep in, um, I want to give some disclaimers uh, for today. The, the first disclaimer, and probably more of an apology, is you can probably tell I'm, I'm getting over having the flu. And so I am probably going to cough into this mic about a thousand times. And I have enough cough drops here to last 30 minutes. So you'll know you'll get out of here on time today. Um, I kind of like my sick voice. It's like the closest I ever get to like a baritone or bass. And I, I tried to see if it would, you know, like, like hey, baby, you know, <clears throat> like trying to see if my wife would find me more attractive if I had a deeper voice and she was like, ew, that's gross. <laughs> so I'll do my best uh, to not cough into the microphone. Um, second disclaimer, there's enough content, content in chapter 15 that could fill six months worth of messages. If you have not gone through this, you should go through this. Um, This is life and death chapter uh, of the Bible. Um, It it talks about resurrection. It talks about heavenly bodies. So if you want to know what you're going to look like in heaven, it's all in this chapter. Okay? Uh, But today I want to focus, um, I'm going to go through it really quick, and then focus on the end, on the challenge that I think Paul is writing to the church, uh, the same challenge that's applicable today. Um, But I think some hardcore theologians may get mad at me today for the approach that I'm taking, uh, going right to the end of the chapter. So if you're one of those hardcore theologians, or if you're someone who's easily upset or offended, um, I want to let you know that I I hear you, I feel you. Um, I actually really want to hear your feedback even, and I set up a special email address um, for you to send any complaints to, uh, in case (laughs) you want to write. Now, some of the young people are like, I don't send emails. So maybe I, you know, was trying to be hip. I keep trying to get my kids to think I'm hip. 
And I actually created some hashtags in case you want to send your feedback, get it there quicker, right? So there's a couple hashtags I'm going to put up here. Um, so anyway, just kidding, kind of. Daryl said this might be my last time teaching here, so. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> excuse me, in chapter 15, um, this is really Paul's thesis statement for the whole letter. Um, he's gone through all this stuff, he's all, all this correction, all this stuff about love and husbands and wives and believers suing each other and all this stuff that's happening in the church, and then he gets to the end and he says, okay, now that we've dealt with all of that, let's stop for a second, and I, wanted, I want to make sure we don't get off track. I want to make sure we know what this is all really about. So in verse 1, I have it up on the screen here in case you don't have it. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received on, which you've received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. One, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day uh, according to scriptures. Pretty basic stuff, right? If, if you've been in church, you've probably heard this many, many times. If you've been in church and have never heard this, maybe examine the church, I don't know. Um, but this is core to our belief. This is core to who we are as Christians, that we believe that because of the sin that man has done, that death entered the world. And in order for us to have eternal life with God, that debt, that that sin had to be taken care of. It had to be paid for. And that's what Jesus did when he came here. That's, so if you've ever been around church people and they say the gospel, and you're like, well, what's the gospel? That's the gospel. In two, what, two, three verses here, Paul lays it out. It says, don't get away from this basic foundation. This is what it's all about. Everything else is subject to this. And the reason that the people in Corinth needed to hear this, and I think the, honestly the reason that we need to hear this today, is because they had started to drift away from this message. Um, they had started to turn Jesus into a story or Jesus became an allegory of, of um, an idea, right? That we like this piece of Jesus, but maybe let's not talk about this piece because it starts to get uncomfortable. It makes people uneasy. So, uh, and when we take Jesus, we put him into our lives, into conceptualize him into our world, um, it's not as fun, right? It starts to get uh, kind of hard. But when we surrender our lives to Jesus, the next step is to lean into this, into this faith. I feel like it, Paul becomes like a bit of a freeway guide here. Have you ever drove on the freeway? Maybe you're taking a road trip and you get a little too close to the edge of the lines and you hear the burn, right? And all of a sudden you're wide awake, right? Because it brought you back in. I think Paul is saying to the Corinthians here, Careful not to get out of this lane. 
Paul's letter really says that, you know, you can't take Jesus' message and cram it into any other box. It won't fit. It'll burst the box. Um, You can't take what he said and try to lose this section of it. It just won't work. You have to really believe that Jesus came, he died, and that he was raised from the dead. And to illustrate this, he goes all the way back to the beginning um, in verse 21. He says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of death also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. He's trying to get through that this battle for your soul, this battle is not abstract. And depending on your faith tradition, how you were raised, sometimes it's real easy to say that is the church side of me or that is the Jesus side of me and then there's this other side of me. And they don't mix. But it doesn't work that way. Um, They have to mix or it didn't work in the first place. Um, So even if the entire world is doing this, we have to be careful that we're not doing it. And Paul even goes on to say, look, if all this is about is a nice story, if all Jesus was was a really great teacher, then why subject ourselves to all of this? Like, honestly, I like you guys, but if we're not here, if Jesus isn't real, I could be watching football, right? I could be hiking a mountain. Well, I don't hike mountains, but I could be watching a movie. (laughs) It's probably more applicable to me. In fact, uh, in verse 32, he says, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, if all this was was about human hopes, that I can be a better person with this message, that my life will be better, that I get to be part of a faith community. If that's all this is, it's too small. It's too small for what Jesus did. Um, So if, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He's very Klingon in that moment, isn't he? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. There's more to it than that, right? Like, if Jesus didn't, if, if, if he really didn't die and come back to life, then all this stuff is silly. All the stuff we're doing is silly. Because he's just another prophet, he's just another teacher. No, this is the difference between Jesus and all the other prophets. Everything that ever happened, that he was fully God, fully man, and came back to life. Um. I love how the author C.S. Lewis puts this, and sometimes I feel like you can't go to church without hearing about C.S. Lewis at least once a month, so I'm adding him for this month. Um, But he says, you know, when you look at Jesus, every person has to make a determination of what Jesus is, and he's either one of three things, that he's either a liar, that what he said was just outright lies for his own self-promotion. He was a lunatic. He was crazy. Or he really is who he says he was, that he, that he was Lord. His claims were too small to, or too big to simply say that he was a great teacher 
or that, uh, wow, there's really great, I, I like that stuff on the Sermon on the Mount. I like that stuff, right? Like, I love that, um, you know, the poor will be strong. I like the, the weak, you know, like, I, I like that. I like that stuff. It fits nice into my everyday life, right? But I don't know that I like this other stuff, right? I, didn't, I don't like this stuff that says, if I really want to follow God, I have to die to myself, right? Can't I just take parts of it? But Jesus' claims were, were way too big. Some of his claims, you know, he lived a sinless life. He's the only way to God. He's, he can forgive sins. It was blasphemy for someone to say that they could forgive sins. That he would die and come back to life. If everything that Jesus said is not true, then he's a liar. Or he's crazy. Or he really is God and the only way for you to have eternal life. Um, I think this gets hard because once you become a believer, it feels like you don't fit anymore in this world. And uh, I just moved recently, and so we took all of our furniture that we had from our old house, and we took it over to our new house, and we set up the furniture, and I walked into the living room, and I'm like, this doesn't feel right anymore. And so we, we rearrange the furniture. Maybe if we put the couch over here, we put the chair over here, we put the table back here. And you're like, mm, it doesn't feel right. Why is there this big area right here? Well, we didn't have that big area in the last house. And so, you know, you can make do, right? Or you can go get the furniture that actually fits the space, right? But I think this is what's happened to us is that we are living in a place where when you fully press into God, when you fully press into what Jesus said, it doesn't quite feel right here. And it shouldn't feel right here because this isn't what you're designed for. You're not designed for here, right? And so there's always going to be this weird tension um, that we have. To believe in Jesus, you really have to believe the whole thing. The whole part that Jesus really died, that he really rose from the dead because of the crap that you did. And I did. Right? There's no way around that. Anyone who wants to be a disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So he ends this section of the letter with a couple verses that I think should really frame how we live our lives. Uh, in verse 54, he says, when the perishable have been clothed, okay, we're the perishable, right? When things that will die have been (laughs) dead, right? When the perishable, that's us, have been clothed with the imperishable, that's salvation, that's what Jesus did, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. This next sentence should change the way you live every single day of your life. And I think it's one of the, I don't know, it's maybe the most beautiful verse in the Bible. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? This verse, where, O death, is your sting? Because if death is the worst you got, 
guess what? There's a whole nother life. There's a whole nother side of eternity that we get to live in. So if death has lost its sting, if what Jesus did make death lose its sting, how does that impact how we live every single day of our lives? Well, if death has lost its sting, that opens up a whole new world of possibility to me. If what the world has, the worst that the world has to offer, Jesus has already paid the price for and Jesus has already set a different path for us, there's this freedom in that, right? It's like uh, I used to play um, video games a lot when I was a kid and you used to be able to get these cheat codes. Does that still exist? Cheat codes? Yes. <coughs> I'm hip. Um, <laughs> I had like two buttons when I played video games. It was really great. Now it's like, what button is that? Left toggle trigger. I'm like, left toggle trigger, what? I can't, yeah, A and B, right? Start and select, and then a little cross for Jesus, right? That was God's video game. Super Nintendo's where it ended. Um, but we'd get these cheat codes, and if you entered the cheat codes, you could die as many times as you wanted, Right? And you come back to life. It's how I beat Super Mario Brothers 3, right? Or John Elway quarterback. That was my game way back in the day. You entered the cheat code, you could run as fat, you could run way faster than everyone else. See, God has given you a cheat code for your life. Because if the worst thing in life that can happen to you is death, and you're a believer, there's no sting. Death has lost its sting. I heard this story once of a guy who was in the car with his son, and uh, a beef flew in. Um, and the son started freaking out. They're opening the windows. Why doesn't it work when you open the windows? Why don't, the, why don't they fly out? Does that ever work for you? It never works for me. They're, they're evil, right? But they make beautiful flowers. Yeah. Make the flowers over there. This is the car for humans. Um, but the bee's flying around and the kid's freaking out and the dad grabbed the bee in his hand and then let it go. Bee flew out the window. And the son is like, why did you do that? Are you crazy? The dad says, you have nothing to fear. And he held his hand out and the stinger was in his hand. Right? That bee had no stinger. Right? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, world, where is your sting? Oh, person who's going to make fun of me because I live, believe in Jesus, where is your sting? Oh, that I can't get everything that this world says I should have. Oh, that I don't look like that person on the, on the cover of the, of the magazine. Oh, death, where is your sting? Earth, where is your sting? As believers, that has been taken from us because we know that after this life, eternity awaits for us. You know, as a Christian, I, I really struggle. I really struggle when I see people suffer. And it's if if I was like, could have a moment just me and God sitting in a room, and I could ask him a question. I think that'd be my question. Like, how can you, a loving God, see that and be okay with it? And I don't know the answer to it, by the way, so maybe I shouldn't bring it up. Um, but I think there's something in this. Oh, death, where is your sting? 
the worst thing the world has is nothing compared to the possibility of eternity without God. So God has bridged that gap for us. He has taken that place. He took the sting out of it. Man, Paul was on fire. Oh, death, where is your sting? I hope you hear that in your head all week this week. It should change the way we live. I love the the song today, um, You Make Me Brave. It should make us brave, right? The other song, You Part the Sea So I Could Walk Right Through It. It's not, You Part the Sea So I Could Stand and Watch It. No. (laughs) God would be like, Man, I just parted the sea. What are you doing? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Dude, there's people coming to get you. Like, go through the sea, you dummy. Right? Like, I don't know. I'm scared. God, the freaking water just parted. What are you afraid of? Right? But it's that in our lives, right? It's, uh, I put this on your heart. I want you to go back to school. I want you to do this. Oh, but God, I could fail. I don't know. I just parted the sea. You got accepted. Go in and do it. God, I can't talk to this person about you because, I don't know, they might hate me. They might think I'm one of those weird Christians. It's like, I freaking died, right? For you. You got to walk through the sea or it doesn't, doesn't matter that it happened, right? The, the journey with Jesus is one where you have to go on the journey. You can't just sit back and admire what he's doing with other people. It's cool. It builds our faith when you see what God has done with people. But then God's saying, but here's what I'm calling you to. It's like a couple chapters before this when Paul's saying, look, every one of you are part of this body. And if these parts don't work together, then the body can't move. But Daryl is just, he's a really great arm. He's got those biceps. They're so great. He really does. <laughs> we asked him to stop wearing tank tops. <coughs> it's a church. <laughs> God, I want to be a bicep. No, you're my foot. Go. I've had this in my own life. Lisa and I, from the time we were teenagers, even younger than that, have felt this call to missions and to and as we've lived our lives, as, we've, as God's revealed his plan to us, that hasn't been his plan for us. It's like, but God, I want to be the foot. don't want to be the nostril. Let me be something else, right? You got to walk through the sea, or it doesn't matter that the sea parted. Now, I think this also can get to a level of arrogance, right? Hey, look, I, Jesus, me, we're cool, we're good. I know I have eternity. That's good enough for me, right? Can lead to selfishness of, of like, I love God, I'm content. I get filled up every week. I don't do anything with it, but I get filled up every week, right? But the, the next verse takes it to a deeper level and says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Have we heard that today already? I think we have. Uh, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. 
because you know that your labor is not in vain. <coughs> Pausing for dramatic effect and taking a cough drop at the same time. Oh, paper's still on. <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> I have a couple of big takeaways from this. Um, first, you heard the phrase, go big or go home. Like, you hear that in sports, you hear that. I think it's different for us. I think it's, go big, because this is not your home. Right? Do that God-sized thing, because this is a practice ground, right? This is a practice level that we get. Second, I think, if you're a believer, there's worse things than dying. And I don't know how many people struggle with that fear. It feels like my teenage sons never had that fear in their life that they were going to die as they jumped off crazy things. And, but there's worse things than dying. Well, what's worse than dying? Ignoring the work of the cross by living an uninspired life is worse than dying. Wasting this life that God gave you because you're afraid is worse than dying. Failing to share the same news with someone else is worse than dying. There's a lot worse than dying. I've always been so inspired by a group of missionaries a couple centuries ago. Uh, They were called one-way missionaries. And they were called this because when they were sent out... They only bought one-way tickets to where God was sending them because they knew they weren't coming back. They knew what was going to happen when they get there. And in fact, to, to be practical, this thing I said, to be practical, they would pack their belongings in coffins knowing that they were going to be sent back in a coffin because that was the work that God had called them to the in the amount of faith that goes with that, right? Oh, death, where is your sting? I'm packing my crap in a coffin, right? I think God calls us all to pack our stuff in a coffin. And if, if this world becomes about your stuff, I like stuff. I want to I make sure I'm perfectly clear. I have some good stuff. I like it. But if it becomes about that stuff, picture it in a coffin. Because that's where it's going. There's this really great song, um, I want to read the lyrics to you, um, about a man who was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, kind of bummed they turned it into a country song, but that's okay, we can roll with it. I like country. Um, but it's about this experience of a guy who was diagnosed with terminal, can- uh, terminal uh, brain cancer, and w- how he took the news and what he did and how it changed his life. And I think it is a call to how we should live our lives as followers of Christ. The song goes like this. It says, He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him, When it sank in, that this really might be the end, how'd it hit you? 
when you get that kind of news? Man, what did you do? He said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. <laughs> love that part. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. The next verse says, uh, he said, I was finally the husband, but most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year I lost my dad. And I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And then I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Now, the bridge of the song is the very best part, in my opinion. It says, like tomorrow was a gift, and you've got eternity to think about what you would do with it. What could you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? We got to live like we're dying. Because we are. But death has lost its sting. Because we have a home that we're going to go to. But this isn't it. I have, I have friends, I, I, I work at a university. Some of the smartest people I've ever met I work with. Um, lots of people who have made no room in their life for God or can't get there. And I think just how lonely that's got to feel. Like to know that this is it. Like how terrifying that would be to know this is all, this, this 90 years, this 80 years, this 15 years, depending. This is all I have. But it's not. We got to live like we're dying because death has lost its sting. Um, I have a really great grandma who is a bit crazy. <laughs> Those are the best kind of grandmas, I think. When I'm a grandpa, I want to be the crazy type. Um, and every day, without fail, she reads the obituaries. Anyone have a grandma or someone like that? And, I, and obituaries for young people come in a thing called a newspaper. It's actually printed on paper, like someone, oh, sorry. Um, and she reads it every day, and I remember I used to ask Grandma, why do you read the obituaries every day? And she had the same joke every time. Want to make sure I'm not in there, right? <laughs> I love grandmas. Um, and then she'd say, I just like to hear about people's lives and what they did. And uh, fast forward many years, I was at a business conference. I go to lots of business conferences. And in the conference, um, the speaker actually had us do this exercise that I would like for us to do today. And they actually had us write our own obituaries. And now, you're usually not that moved at a business conference, I'll be honest. Like, usually at the end, you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to implement some of that stuff, right? I'm going to be better at time management, right? Um, but this time really shook me as I started to write <clears throat> how people would look back at my life, how my 
Great-grandkids would look back and see who I was and what I did and what God called me to do. Um, And I'd like for us just to take um, five, ten minutes today. And I have some just index cards, so you don't have to get, you know, super poetic with it. But what's that going to look like for you? And I know this is kind of out of the ordinary. And I'm a person who doesn't like out of the ordinary, I'm very comfortable just doing the same thing we do every week. But I think I know that God has placed some stuff on your heart. He's called you to some big things that something is keeping you from stepping into, whether it be fear, whether it be the belief that there's a lack of resources, whether it be that you don't know other people are going to support you, what they're going to say about you. But death has lost its sting. So with that comes freedom. With that comes life. He parted the waters. If you don't walk through it, there was no reason for him to part it. Right? So I'm going to give you about five, five, ten minutes. I want you to write some stuff out. This is just you and God. I'm not collecting these at the end. And then I'm going to call you in three months. Cherish. I noticed that you didn't do this, but you did win the tissue challenge, so I think we're all good, right? So what God, what's God putting on your heart? There's pens in the seat back in front of you uh, to use. We're just going to turn on some worship music and give you about five, ten minutes um, to write some stuff. <laughs>